Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and with me have my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Not too bad, sir. How you been? Pretty good. I, I think this is a minor, I just, a minor milestone? Is this what this is? I don't know. It might be. I mean, we're at, what, 20 episodes now? Something like that? I mean, we were really excited for the 12th episode, right? It was just longer than the average podcast, and now we're at 20, so that's got to mean something, right? Yeah, we've been doing a lot of talking, right? <laughs> or a lot of listening is as it were and let the guests do the talking yeah we've definitely had some uh, really exciting guests and you know we have some more interesting people coming on in the future so you know thank you to our guests and you know thank you for all of our listeners that have been uh, with us so far yeah it's been a, a really great ride and it's been a lot of fun trying to find interesting people to talk to and uh, folks that we would really like to hear from and hear their thoughts and being able to record it and give it to you guys and gals every week has been such a, a great opportunity for us. And we look forward to, to the next 20 uh, episodes. Yes, sir. So Richie, you've been playing with some, uh, some new technology, right? A little bit. Been messing around with solar and um, it's a search kind of technology, kind of no SQL-ish type thing. Very interesting. Uh, our use cases is that we need to actually aggregate some keywords and it was originally written in SQL Server, of which was doing a lot of string parsing, which really shouldn't be in SQL Server at all. Pro tip. And we have a solar instance actually out there. And so I'm like, okay, well, we could move all this processing over here and it would be a much, much faster. So I've been busy implementing that and it's been really cool to mess around with some of that stuff. You know, I think what would be really good for me is if somebody just implements a checklist of big data technology. There's just so much stuff out there and, you know, new, you know, new methods and the applications keep, you know, coming up all of the time. And I honestly don't even know where to start with some of this stuff. I think you need to do that. I think you need to create that website and you have another 50 minutes to do that. So get busy. You have to the end of the episode. All right. I'll be done by the end of the show. Uh, good. Go. good. I'll, be, I'll be looking forward to that. So who are we talking to today, Cecil? So today we're actually talking to a very special guest, somebody that we've always been wanting to to reach out to, a Mr. Elijah Manor. Yeah. So Elijah is a Christian and a family man. He works at Ramsey Solutions as a senior front-end web developer. He's a Microsoft ASP.NET MVP, ASP Insider, IE user agent, and a Pluralsight author. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> he enjoys blogging at ElijahManor.com and tweeting at Elijah Manor about all that he learns and you know all the cool stuff that he's been building for us. Yeah, and if you haven't, uh, if you don't follow Elijah and you're actually digging the web and into all the cool web dev, dev technology, you definitely want to follow Elijah. He's got some great stuff on his Twitter feed. Actually, one of the things I really like about following Elijah is that his tweets show so much of his family in there. You know, I feel like I know his, his wife and his kids, and I've actually never physically met them or even <laughs> spoken to them for that matter. But it's, it's really just good to see 
the other side of the developer, right? You're able to see the, the family man and the husband and the, hey, I don't just write code all day, right? I actually have, you know, a life outside of that. Yeah, when we recorded this episode, it was at Code on the Beach, and he was there with his wife, right? So he actually took his wife to the conference, and and uh, I don't think we had an opportunity to, to meet her, but... Um, no, I don't think he wanted her to meet us either, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him at all for that. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's one of the things that is, is really cool. You know, I know we all brought our families up there, too. And uh, it's just one of those kind of special things that, hey, we're more than just code. Before we get to Elijah, I first want to apologize for the poor quality of the audio. When we recorded this live, we didn't notice the hum in the audio until we started editing it. So we had a choice trash the episode or clean it as best we could and give it to you. We really enjoyed this conversation and we hope you do too, despite its flaws. So this episode was recorded on August 8th, 2015 at Code on the Beach. And now our conversation with Elijah Manor. And now, away from the keyboards feature conversation. So, so thank you for coming on the show. You know, we definitely appreciate you and your time. Um, for the people that are listening to the show right now, could you tell them a little bit about you, who you are, and what is it exactly that you do? Yeah, I'm a senior front-end developer for Ramsey Solutions in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm a front-end developer. That's, that's all I do. I'm very focused and specialized, and it's always kind of been that way since I started developing. And I kind of like that. I like, like to go really deep. And... Um, I've followed Dave Ramsey for a long time, so he does a lot of financial counseling and coaching. And he has a course called Financial Peace University, which the listeners might have heard of, maybe not, but it's essentially just a way to encourage people to just to get out of debt and save money and pre- be prepared for the future. And um, I know several people who work there, and I thought about working there for a while, but historically they've been full-stack developers, and that's mm-hmm. just kind of not what I do. And just recently they... They got large enough where, like, we need some specialists. So, actually, I saw it on Twitter because <laughs> I'm, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. So, um, anyway, I saw that, and, and I was like, hey, that's me. I want to I wanna jump right in. So, I'm excited about the mission that they do because uh, they're really changing people's lives. And, you know, debt, if, if you're in debt as a family, it really affects lots of areas of your life. Like, marriages can be strained, and, and really, once you lift that burden, it can really transform people's lives. And it's really... Neat and encouraging to to watch that and to, to see that happen. So, how long have you been working with uh, that company for? Almost two years. Wow. Um, which is, I still haven't passed the threshold of pretty much at three years is the longest I've been anywhere, and that's kind of depressing. And I'm encouraged to that the developers here actually are regularly having like five, six, seven year anniversaries, which for in our industry is kind of rare. I'm I'm kind of tired of jumping around so often. So, um, I'm encouraged to be a place that seems to value the developers. And I think part of it is just, again, we see people being transformed and changed by what we do. And so even if you have a, a bad day at work, you're like, hey, well, I still help this person. Yeah. So it's really neat. It almost sounds like your company fosters very much of a, a very personal relationship with their employees. It really sounds like your your company is really into core family values. So you have like a little mini family at work. Yeah, it's, it's really quite nice. Uh, we, it's kind of cool, like our um, our mission statement and all our core values are actually in the hall. Like if you take the stairs, and I'm trying to take the stairs more just to be healthier. 
they actually uh, put them on the walls of the stairs as you go up. And I'm on the fourth floor, so there's quite a few stairs. Right. And uh, it's kind of neat because they're plastered on the walls just to help. And one of them is, you know, family values. And and um, for me, especially I started a business, and you all probably kind of know this, <laughs> it's a lot of work. And um, at the time, I was doing training courses, and I was trying to make a full income just on building training courses. And I was spending a lot of time. And so when I saw the tweet that came across, it was like almost you know, a helicopter coming to rescue me from yeah. drowning. Sure. And uh, I knew they were very family friendly. I mean, um, you pretty much have a window and uh, you work from, I kind of work from seven to four. So it's, when it's at four, unless there's some emergency or, you know, something, have to save a, an ox in a ditch or something. Right. You know, I just go <laughs> home and I, sometimes I, I'm tempted to stay because I'm like, oh, you know, I need to finish this. And they're like, no, just go home. It'll be here tomorrow. And you work hard when you work and, but you need to be with your family. And I experienced that early on when I joined uh, the Every Dollar team. My first year was more on like DaveRamsey.com, just making it really performant, um, you know, pulling out the cruft and doing a lot of tricks to make it faster. And uh, then I moved to the Every Dollar team. And like right when I moved to the team, my kids got all really sick. Uh, and I was like, you know, sleeping in the same room as them and waking up every like 15 minutes. It was pretty awful. And they were so understanding. They even... Out of the blue, it's like, can we do anything? I was like, well, you know, I'm not really sure. And um, we were trying to have them eat really healthy just to, to help get through this. And so they got someone to make a whole bunch of meals catered to our restrictions, and they just sent us home with several days' worth of food. And it was just like, I didn't even ask for that. And it was just a nice blessing that they cared about us. And I've seen that over and over. They're like, just, you know, go home early. You need to be with your family. And so that's been really nice to just see them care about me. And uh, most of the places I've been at, I, I mentioned this to you the other, other day, I've only known what the, the five or ten people that I work with did and had no idea of the, the larger goals of the corporation or just what are the things, what are we doing? And um, we actually meet twice a week as a company and just be real transparent about the good things, the bad things. Here's what we did right, here's what we did wrong. And it's actually really um, valuable as a just an employee, just to know what, where we're trying to go. And and that's where they share some of the success stories, like, hey, here's what y'all did and changed people's lives. So it's really cool. And that was going to be one of my next questions was, with that environment, do you ever see, do you feel like that affects the products that you put out or even how the team evangelizes the product? Because it feels like you, there's a little bit more of a personal attachment to the work that you do. Yeah, I would say that's true. Um, and also another aspect, I mean, we have like maybe... 70 people on our IT and development team. This is quite large. And it's actually just separated into little teams. And each team, like my particular team, it feels like a like a startup, but within a large company. And so we, we're very agile in the way we move. And each person, if you have an idea, you're like, oh, like I had an idea one time. I was on Amazon and they had like a tri-prime thing near the logo. And I was yeah. like, maybe we should do something like that because it's, you know, close to your logo. Yeah. And because uh, we had like a, a tri-plus type thing. And um, so... It was kind of one of those things, oh, you had an idea. Well, let's see and see if that will work, the model, and then someone will develop it and just kind of see it through. And I actually didn't do all the process. I didn't develop it, but it was just like everyone feels like they're a part of the product, and if they have something that's valuable, they could share it and make it happen. And it's really, and we, we added tracking to that to make sure if it was actually going to work or not, and it ended up being a good thing. So, But, yeah, so everyone kind of feels empowered a little bit of actually making the product better, which is, I think is really, and it's, it's encouraged by the, the higher-ups. So the company, like you mentioned before, is, is really focused on tips and techniques of how we can get people out of debt. So do you have any, any advice that you could share for our listeners of 
how we could probably uh, mainly we talk to developers and you know technical folks in general. So, do you have any advice for those those type of folks and how we could you know manage our debt a little bit better? Yeah. So, um, if you go through Financial Peace University, uh, one of the things they it's it, they're called baby steps because sometimes it's so overwhelming to come to the subject of finances and debt and budgeting. You're like, whoa, there's something you know, investing and all these things. It could be quite overwhelming, especially if you're filling the chains of debt. Uh, through credit cards or or whatever you know your your mortgage and things like that, and we were kind of in that place. You know, for a long time we we would always pay off our credit card bill, and then we moved. Uh, we had one, but we just we thought we were being wise with it. <laughs> and then we moved to Nashville. We got a new house, and mm-hmm. um, and just oh, we need furniture, obviously. And this, and then we started putting more and more on the credit card, and then just, we weren't paying it off. And over time, it just started to feel like this big chain around our neck, and we were just. It was an awful feeling, and so that's when we joined the class. And so there's the baby step. So the first step is just hey, you know, save a thousand dollars because if emergencies come up, it's going to mess with you, and you want to put it on the credit card. So let's have a little leeway there. And so you do that, and then you start just trying to get out of debt as fast as you can. Pay off the smallest credit first, and then uh, go to the largest. And thankfully, at the time, I had a job where. I had a salary, but I could all, it was also hourly. So if I went over my 40 hours, they'd pay me extra. Nice. And then over the whole month, if I continued to get 40 hours a week, they'd pay me a bonus. And the bonus kept getting bigger the more consecutive months in a row I did. So I was working, and we only had one child at the time, Abby. She was like six months. So my wife and I talk, I'm like, I'm just going to work a lot. And they let me work at home. And it was a blessing because I got to do the same thing I knew how to do. I didn't have to change context and you know, work for another person at night. It was just like, there was enough work. I just kept working. And we, we got out of all of our debt except our house in a very short amount of time just because, you know, I could, I could do that. So that was an extreme blessing. And so the next step is to gain six months, four to six months of expenses in your emergency fund. So you have a nice beefy one to protect you. And then from then on, uh, you know, start investing, college savings and things like that. So we're at the point where we're doing those things and now we're, um, Eventually, we'd like to get our house paid off. <laughs> yeah. That's going to take a while. But, yeah. but the, the key is just, you know, for us, um, I was talking to actually someone yesterday, and he was talking about he, he liked Dave and the principles, but he personally still had a credit card and used it. And um, he felt that he could use that responsibly. But probably like 95% of people can't do that. They'll, they'll get to the point where, like I was, I thought I was using it, and then eventually I got to the point where I couldn't pay it off anymore. And that's where, you know... The, that's how they make their money, credit sure. card. <laughs> so they're they're banking on the ninety five percent, not the five percent who feel like they could you know get mileage points and all that stuff and play the game. Yeah, the other thing is that you spend more when oh, you use yeah. a credit card, right? So they've done studies right, where definitely. if you use cash versus your credit card, you spend less with your cash, and if you use a debit card, you spend a little bit more. And then with the credit card, you spend a little bit more, right? So if you go to McDonald's, use your credit card, yeah. and you're like, oh, I bought a Big, uh, a big Mac, and I'm going to buy you a Big Mac, and I'm going to buy extra large fries and supersize everything, right? And so Definitely. You know, that's kind of the mindset. You know, hey, if it's credit, it's, you don't feel the pain. But if you use cash, ooh, ooh, that that's kind of hurts just a little bit more. So you spend less. Part of that is just budgeting, too. I, I didn't mention that at all, but that's another big thing, obviously, that um, Dave recommends. And the tool that... Um, so we were doing it manually with like, you know, Google Docs or mm-hmm. Google Spreadsheets. And that's how we kind of did our, our budget. Um, but the project I've been on for the last year is an online tool. It's called Every Dollar. And, um, you know, it's free to make an account. You can make your budget. Uh, the thing about it that's unique to some of the other 
um, products out there is, you know, you set a budget from month to month. Like, you know, it's not just one time. It's that way for the whole year because, you know, Christmas, you have, Christ- you know, right. presents you're going to save for, you have birthdays, different things that you have to save over, you know, over the year. And so, um, and but the idea is you want to set a budget that uses all the money that you foresee to come in. So it's a zero-based budget. And, you know, you can plan it ahead of time. So you kind of have to estimate some of the things that are coming through. But for the most part, most of your bills are kind of the same. And, you know, at as you're spending across the month, if they're a little bit different, you just tweak the numbers. And just really make giving every dollar that you have a name and a place in your budget. So that way, if you have extra money, you can set that aside into savings or, or something, instead of just not knowing where it went. Like, I have enough money, but I have no idea right. if I'm doing good or bad. So so the product I've been working on, it's just a single-page app using React, ES6, um, Flux, SAS, all the all wow. the bleeding-edge things that uh, is fun to deal with, but occasionally we actually feel the, the blood and the bleeding because <laughs> it's so cutting-edge. But um, It's all the acronyms. Yeah. You're using all the acronyms. Yeah. So it's been fun and challenging. Um, actually, just this past week, uh, me and another front-end developer both ran into weird bugs that weren't in our code, but it was like, it was in Node SAS and it was actually in, um, in Babel. Um, so we had to figure out ways around that, but we, we managed to, but it was like, oh, that was frustrating. Yeah. But that's just what, what happens when you do the latest. So how did the Every Dollar app come about, right? I mean, there's, there's a ton of budgeting tools out there and there's Mint and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that have been really popular over the last few years. So what was the genesis of saying, hey, we need to restart. We need some sort of app out there that's easy to use and so that people can kind of do their budgeting in, in our kind of philosophy. Yeah, we had a tool previously uh, before I came along and that a lot, a lot of people were paying money. It was like this suite of things like a forum and a budget tool and like all these other things that you could kind of pay a price and have access to it. And so they eventually looked at the app and it was kind of older. It was written in older technologies and um, things like that. And they basically looked, did some statistics on what actually people used that had an account. And pretty much everyone was just using the budget tool. And at the time, there were things they wanted to, to add to it, to tweak it, to make it more modern and easy to use. Um, like, we really were trying to target a certain persona. And so that was kind of a new thing for us because we're historically, the company has been very much book and mortar. Like, you know, we have a book, we're going to sell a book, we're going to sell a CD or some audio thing. And it was very much physical. And so moving into the digital age is kind of a, a mind shift on how you do things. So we had this thing, idea of a persona. And our persona, it didn't have to be a woman, but her name was Kathy, is Kathy. Right. And it's um, like a mom who's doing the budget. Now, it doesn't have to be a mom. But uh, someone who's decently know, knows how to use a computer, but it's not like an advanced user. Um, you know, it has a busy life, have kids going around, needs to just sit down and do it. It has some goals, like, maybe, you know, my kids are going to college someday. My parents are about to to get really old and, and I need to help support them. And so what would she need? Uh, obviously it needs to be really easy to use. Uh, so we have a lot of creative and designers that breathe a lot into the usability. Uh, the cool thing about our team is the barrier between creative developer, our creative and developers is we're tearing that down. Like mm. when it first came on, it was like they designed everything and threw it over the wall and then we're like, oh, wait, well, is that what you really wanted? And by the, they've moved on to the next project. And so the collaboration was, was not there. And this team, and more and more, the company is realizing that's a good thing. So we're doing it pretty much every team now. I have a designer creative person right next to me. We regularly talk. And um, like, oh, 
can you do this? Yes, I could do that. Or, hey, did you know there's a different way? I could actually do something you really wanted that you thought was too hard and just go through that conversation. And that's been really help, helpful and really helpful for the end user because it makes their experience a, a lot, lot easier. A lot richer. Because, you know, historically budget seems hard. And so we're trying to counterbalance that idea that I can't do this. And there's a companion uh, mobile app too. So if you're just on the go, you could just move your transactions and it's all stored in the cloud. So, you know, if you come to the computer or your phone, it's all in sync. Um, so it's, it's been really nice for the users on that standpoint. So how long did it take for you to, to, to your team to create the application and how, how successful has it been? Well, it's been several years in the, in the making, like, and not, that's not necessarily coding, but just the concepts of what we really needed, what we wanted to target, what technologies we might want to use. Uh, and actually the every dollar team is using things that, as a company, like so as a company, we're a Rails shop. Um, but for this particular app, um, we wanted a backend that could be re- reusable to any client. So if it was a phone, Android, iOS, web, we needed a common API in the backend. So it's in Java, in the cloud. And um, But for the front end, we wanted uh, something very responsive. So we're re- using React, so we're using spa type techniques. And then this was before I came along, all these kind of decisions were being made. And they're like, well, we don't really need Rails. Like, it's an extra layer that, what would it really do? But as a company, everyone else is kind of doing Rails for their stuff. So we actually said, well, we don't need that. We'll just talk directly um, directly to the, the Java, the back end. And so it's a little different than some of the other apps. But um, So it took some while to think through some of those things to see if it, it would actually work. Um, but when I got on the team, that's when we start, really knew what we wanted to do. And it took about maybe, I'd say, a year to get the bulk of the heavy lifting done where actually people could start using it. Um, and then it only took like four months for like half a million people to have accounts. Wow. And um, so it's really, it exceeded our expectations. Uh, we were actually all kind of worried. We are like projecting like, how many users do you think we're going to have? And we've been blessed to be overwhelmed uh, with how many people are joining. So it, it's been really neat and um, for the most part pretty smooth. Since it's in the cloud, we could scale up or down depending on the load. And, um, you know, we have unit tests on the both back end and front end, and we can always do more. But, um, but yeah, I'm pretty pleased with how it's been going. So for me, I've, I've been following you on Twitter for a little while. One of the things I really know you for are your blog posts and a lot of the content you put out about web development. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I obviously look at you as a, as an expert in that field, which guru. you are. Guru. As a guru, I'm guru. sorry. Expert is not good enough. You're yeah. a guru in the field. Guru. Oh, thank you. So to, to that aspect, as the web has been changing, so for instance, when I, when I think when I first started following you, you were at a Pentu, I think at the time? Yes. At some yep. point. And, you know, they were doing a lot of jQuery work at the mm-hmm. time, just like everybody else on the internet was. Yeah. And, and now we've, we're moving forward and we're getting to more richer experiences. We're, we're moving to ES6 and we're moving to web components and all these types of things. So... I'm wondering what is what are your thoughts on the way that the web has been evolving? Not only just for tech for technologists like us, but f- the experiences that we're able to offer our customers and you know our different users and whatnot. Yeah, uh, especially back in that day, um, probably when you were following me at, at Pentu, especially responsive web design, it became a lot lot more popular. Um, and that's just the ability to, to hit a lot more people just because the experience on, I mean, mobile is so huge these days. And um, like even DaveRamsey.com, we're over at 50% of the people that come are on mobile devices. And so we have to be 
obviously aware of who's coming sure. to our site. And um, those technologies over the last several years have really become in the forefront of developers. Like they need to know the, how to do that. Um, and jQuery, um, it solved a particular need at the time because uh, cross-browser development was just awful. And so it was really a saving grace for a lot of developers. Yeah. And um, and that's where, you know, that actually start bringing designers to actually start writing code. Um, so they got to tinker and actually do, experiment with cool things that could happen. And really, I think that pushed the web forward, actually having a tool that a lot of different junior developers could start playing with it. Advanced people still had a lot of freedom in making plugins and things, but then also designers could start playing. And so I think it really pushed us forward in our creativity. Um, but it, jQuery never really guided us on how to architect an app. And it was really good for those just, here's a site, it's kind of static-ish, and I need to do some little things. But when spas came, it was just like, wow, how do I do a spa with jQuery? So that's where a lot of the you know backbone and things like came out. So the trick with that is I actually have a talk about some of these ideas. As developers who have their thumb on like blogs and Twitter, it's so tempting to... Um, look at the shiny things mm -hmm. and be distracted and try to learn everything. And that's just, that'll just gobble your time up uh, and picking the right thing is hard too. Like, you know, I put a hedge of bet on angular, you know, is that, is that good or not? And, and, uh, sometimes, and sometimes there, obviously there's, there's a risk there, but I came up with this idea of a JS IQ. It's like an IQ for a JavaScript library. It could really apply to any library, but and it's like a set of nine different things that I look at. Cause I'm like, maybe not everyone looks at these things. And so I had to talk. Like, here's the things I look at a library, and it's like maintainability, extensibility, does it have tests? Like, all these things I could just go through. Like, is the author, is it the first thing they ever wrote? Are they by themselves in their basements? <laughs> or is there a team of people? Because there's a risk. Like, if that person changes jobs and does something completely different, I've, I've seen people do that, and it's not maintained anymore. I'm like, are you willing to take the responsibility of forking that project and making it go on for your company. Are you willing to do that? If you're not, then maybe it's not the best tool. And so there's a series of nine things that I look at to help help me from being reacting to the shiny thing all the time. And um, obviously jQuery is still used heavily, um, and, and a lot of those skills are still valuable in certain niches. Now, every dollar doesn't use jQuery at all, mainly because React uh, solves the cross-browser stuff for us and the the DOM, it abstracts the DOM out. So we really haven't had to use jQuery um, yet. Um, most of the plugins that we wanted to use, we were either able to find a React uh, component or just wrote our own. Or for like the Ajax, there's micro libraries that focus just on Ajax. You know, and we, we start to move more toward micro libraries that do one job and do it really well. And that's uh, so far worked well for us. I have to ask you about your family. Yeah. Only because... Again, I follow you on Twitter. I, I love the pictures that you put up about your kids. <laughs> I, I think uh, your kids are adorable. I think they're, they, Thank they you. look amazing. I've never met them, but they look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how is it like, you know, traveling and doing a lot of things that you do and being able to balance, you know, that family life and keeping that life rich and focused? Yeah, work-life balance is so tricky. Um, so yeah, I love my family. Uh, my wife is wonderful. Andrea, uh, she stays home with the kids and she actually homeschools them. So she is a busy woman. And um, so when I come home, a uh, well, part of the homeschooling, I'm, I'm kind of like the math teacher. And uh, I'm also the technologist who just makes uh, 
if there's something to help my wife get her job done that's technology related, then you know I handle that. Right. <laughs> like just the other day, I set up a, a Trello board for her to <laughs> to help her uh, <laughs> organize, some manage things. some stuff. So, but yeah, my kids are great. Uh, Ezra, he's about uh, to turn five. Enoch is my middle son. He's just turned seven. And Abby's my do- oldest daughter, well, only daughter, my favorite daughter. <laughs> She's uh, <laughs> about to turn ten. Yeah, I tell her you're my favorite. She's like, I'm your only one. Like, wow, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's they're a pleasure. And um, when I come home from work, I try to totally focus on them. Um, when they, and then you know, I tuck them in. Uh, I take each turn with all of them, and uh, just find out about their day. And on the weekend, I try to be available for them. They're pretty much my life outside of work. Uh, I don't have many other non-tech hobbies uh, other than my my kids like uh, i love them i try to hang out with my um friends every so often at, after hours but i'm trying not to do too much but i think it's healthy for our kids to to see us have friends outside of uh, the family as well and so you know occasionally once a month or two or um i'll hang out with them but they're a blessing and uh, i love i love homeschooling them because we just see what they're passionate about like my daughter for example uh if if you looked at my twitter or facebook you might see me post some paintings. Like she's very creative, uh, and it's just neat to be able to encourage her creativity and uh, just follow her in that. And my my middle son is a little more analytical, like me, <laughs> so he's like, "Daddy, I want to write a program." And good uh, boy. <laughs> and so I've been trying to figure out like a good. I don't want to overwhelm him because, like, you know, we could go into Canvas and do some really crazy low level things, but I don't want to overwhelm him. I don't want to squelch his his joy and creativity in doing that. Uh, but I don't want to be too high level and, and boring. I don't want to bore him because I think he's smart enough where he get bored and he might not want to do it. So do you have any recommendations on something that I think we, we had a conversation a couple of episodes ago with some guys that were on and we mentioned Pluralsight a few times yeah. for some free. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pluralsight has some free. Maybe you've heard of Pluralsight. Maybe I, I have, have, have a couple on there. courses on there. <laughs> But I know they have some courses. I've heard about this thing called Scratch. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I think you make, I think you make like little games and you move blocks and like mm-hmm. you do some mm-hmm. animations and stuff like that. But it's like, it's fairly high level, but it's not, it's not boring. Yeah. Right. Cause you actually see stuff moving. It's not like a black and white terminal that the kids are looking at. Yeah. We did, um, there's the National Day of Code. Yeah. A yeah, while we back. Did the same, yeah. At code.org. And actually, all my kids, uh, went through that. Even my four year old, he was, he was catching on like for yeah. the several, Maybe the first five lessons, but then it's starting into like loops and stuff. Yeah. But man, my five-year-old and my nine-year-old really like that. I got some pictures of, of actually my five-year-old teaching my, four, uh, no, my um, seven-year-old teaching my five-year-old how to how to do that at the time. And so that was that was pretty cool. He's like, oh, look at this, and they're like smiling, like <laughs> looking at the screen. It was like that's precious. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about finding something so I can sit down with my daughter and have her do it and each of my sons and and it's just special to have one-on-one time with dad like yeah. i try to you know we try to date our children uh just because when you have three it's just really special to have one-on-one time with each of them no definitely so i'm wondering how did you guys made the decision to start homeschooling the the particular area that we live in the public schools aren't very good and um we really wanted a good education for our children and we wanted to be able to reach them where they're at, um, have a little control over who their friends are, uh, and make sure they're in a, a safe environment. Uh, they definitely have tons of opportunities for socialization, and sometimes that's a concern for homeschools, but 
we're in a lots of my wife's in lots of groups and they do lots of things during the day. Um, and actually I, I worked at home for many years with a pen too. And then I started my own business mm-hmm. and it was actually kind of neat to be um, around them. Uh, there was this one moment where, uh, Abby, uh, I don't remember, she might've been six at the time. She had two magnets and she was kind of, she was noticing how they're like resisting each other. And then she's like, what is this mom? And she's like, go see your dad. <laughs> and so she, <laughs> uh, actually I worked in my closet, which is kind of weird. Um, um, my father-in-law renovated half of our master bedroom closet into an office. Actually, it was a good place to record Thrill Sight because there's clothes oh, in yeah. there and it just kind of dampens it's the sound. Set, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I worked in my closet. But um, so she came in there, and we just looked up some some videos of talking about science and polarization and North Pole, South Pole, things like that. So it's just really need to be a part of their education and um, and encourage them. To, you know, because uh, my my daughter she struggles more in math than my my son. So just being aware of that and um, empathetic with her and, and understanding and try to really help her along. Um, and not rush her, you know, because if she's in a school, then she might feel more rushed and, and maybe compare herself to other people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just t- toxic when I, I don't want to see that at a young age. Sure. And obviously, lots of public people are just fine, public school people, but we wanted a little more hands-on. And it's so far, it's we're kind of taking it year to year. Um, my wife is the type of person, much like me, where she will just dig in and, like, do research and everything. And um, when I started my own business, we're like, okay, we might need some extra income. And she's... Actually, started some teaching some homeschool classes oh, cool. in the area, and um, she actually just did another one a couple of weeks ago. And I'm very proud of her. And uh, just talking about all the different styles because there's tons of different styles yeah. on homeschooling, and um, we do like more of a Charlotte Mason-ish type thing. If that any of the audience know, understands that, but anyway, I do. I understand <laughs> that. I get that. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been great. And so we're just taking it one step at a time. And um, you know, we know some families who they tried it for a while and. There was some resistance from some of the kids and or just too much. It's a lot of work. Like my, my wife uh, works really hard and I'm, I'm sure your wife does too. Yeah, it's a full-time gig. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it drains, you need a lot of support from the this other spouse. And um, and so, so yeah, it's it, we want to keep doing it. But again, we're, it's per kid, per year, we're just checking it out. And, and having a, a five-year-old in the mix who hasn't really started yet, he's about to turn five, it's a challenge to know you know, what do we do with him while the other two are learning, you know, yeah. and make him feel like he's a part of it. Like they've, my wife started to help him kind of unofficially kind of doing stuff. So, you know, like, oh, I, he wants to learn too, you know? Yeah. Right. So uh, it's challenging, but we really find a lot of value in it. Yeah. How long did that decision take? You know, cause I know we started, first we had our first one, we started looking into homeschooling and that decision to say, Hey, we're going to homeschool took a long time. It took years. How long did it take? Yeah, you guys it to took that? us a while. Well, my wife, uh, she's trained in speech pathology, and so um, they did a lot with children. Uh, they expand a lot more. Actually, they were starting to learn how to teach kids to read. Like, if it was challenging for kids to learn, mm-hmm. like, what's the best way to teach kids to read? And so she was doing a lot of that kind of educational stuff, and she, she was m- much more akin to that t- type of style of just teaching kids and knowing what they needed. And, um, but yeah, it took like we went to several conferences, like homeschool conferences, yeah. just to see, you know, what, what's this like? What are we getting into? Um, but she's much a go getter; like she'll study everything, and and she loves to read. And when I grew up, I did not like to read whatsoever, hmm. and um, and that's probably set me back because it's still to this day like 
It's really hard for me to read. Like I read technical things, but if it's, I don't read for pleasure at all just because I don't enjoy it, unfortunately. And so I love to see my kids want to read like my daughter and my middle, they just pick up books and they're, they're up late at night. And I'm like, normally want them to go to bed, but if they're reading, it's hard to say, Oh, you can't yeah. read, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you stop learning. Yeah, you <laughs> bad. And so uh, I just love seeing that or having, uh, my kids are with my in-laws this weekend. And, um, my mother-in-law said, um, uh, my seven-year-old was reading to my four-year-old, uh, about to turn five. And that's just awesome. Yeah. I'm like, uh, that's that's what I want to see, and I want to be able to encourage that. And and really, when it comes to our, to our lives in development or just in general, the ability to love to learn, you're good. Yeah. You're golden. Now, if if you've been squashed of the loving to learn, it's going to be really hard to succeed in life. We had such a hard time. So we've we started homeschooling our daughter when she was four ish. I guess she was turning five, and we had the hardest time of getting her to read mm. it she she's a kinetic learner so what that means is that gotcha. she needs to touch and feel things yeah, yeah. and so it's really hard to touch and feel words mm-hmm. and so it we tried like three or four different curriculums to try to get her to learn how to read so on the way up so it finally clicked last year last nice. year it it it, it just all of a sudden it's like a switch flipped in her mm-hmm. and she was just reading everything. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really cool to see that. And it's like, you know, my wife is so worried about it and mm-hmm. she's just pouring over. What am I going to do? How is she going to learn, you know, everything else down the road? Because reading is kind of the cornerstone yeah, of everything definitely. that we do on the way up here to Jacksonville, Dakota on the beach. She's sitting there reading a uh, Ridley Pearson book. Who's a children's author, a young adult author. And it, it's about three grade levels above where she's actually at right now, but she's just pouring through this and she almost finished the book. That's awesome. You know, uh, she must have read about a hundred pages on the way up here, <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing, you know, cause I, I just turned back and, you know, I was kind of, Oh my gosh, she's reading, you know, and she's like, how's she not getting car sick? <laughs> That's the other thing. But it's really cool to see where she started and see that journey. Now my wife is being the home, the primary homeschool. She doesn't see that as well as I do. Right. Yeah. Because I see it in chunks when and I could see yeah. the whole progress, Definitely. but she's so close to it. You know, it's just like when you have a programming problem oh, yeah. and then it was like, oh, you know, you pour over it for a couple hours, you can't figure it out and you go to sleep and then, oh, that's what it was. And it takes you two seconds of, to, yeah. to fix it. Well, it's the same. It was kind of the same thing with her where she got so close to it. She just couldn't see all the progress that she had made. So that was kind of, kind of my role as a part of the homeschooling that's is great. I've got to try to be support for her and emotionally and try, try to say, hey, look how far she has gone. Look how far both the kids have gone. This is kind of working out. And then being honest and saying, hey, this really isn't working out. Maybe we should try something different. So I've always wondered, so we have a two-year-old at home, and he's he's definitely very much of a sponge, right, in terms of soaking up information and, and food too, for that matter of <laughs> fact. One of the things I've always wondered for the homeschooling decision, so when does when does it start? I'm like, how long does that go for? Like, do you homeschool into high school and then, you know, kids leave into college? Like, like what's the, what's the tenure of that exactly? Yeah. I mean, we're, when we started, it was like, we're going to try this for one year and see how it goes. Right. And, um, it went really well. And, um, and then we're like, okay, we'll do it another year. We're at, we're at the point where we want to keep doing it. Uh, we don't foresee any problems, but like I said, some of our friends, like just this year, they had done it for several years and they're like, okay. They had maybe a lot of resistance. One of the ch- children had a lot of resistance and just just would not listen to whoever was, you know, the mom or the dad, whoever was teaching them. And if you get to that point, I mean, 
what do you do? I mean, okay, sure. go. And they wanted to go to public school. It was almost like it was torturing them not, you know, to homeschool them. And so uh, we don't foresee that happening, but we want to be very flexible and, and just kind of like what you mentioned. Uh, the cool thing about it is if you're struggling, you could maybe switch programs yeah. and maybe maybe they learn a different way. Um, and maybe that's what the struggle is. Maybe that's why they're pushing back because they're maybe a kinetic learner or, you know, a visual learner or just there's different types of learning techniques. Or, you know, maybe you're forcing them to be super still and it's a boy and they are super active. Like, yeah. the cool thing is you can, once you change the type of learning, maybe they enjoy it and, and then you could keep them at home. But, um, but yeah, we're still kind of doing it year by year, but for the most part, we just want to keep doing it. I'm not sure if we'll go all the way through college. The, the cool thing about it is the further they get, um, you could kind of have them mostly kind of learn by themselves. Like, you, mm-hmm. you set them on a trajectory like here's what you need to do, and then they just kind of go do it. There's, which is a great skill to have when you actually get in the real world, uh, because you're accountable to yourself. And right. what happens a lot of times is people go to college, they have all this freedom, and they don't know what to do with it. That's right. Uh, whereas um, if you kind of were trained to like, hey, get your stuff done, and then you can go have fun, then uh, hopefully that'll stick with them. Yeah, it's been a really interesting journey for us, at least as far as that's concerned. And and I think what a lot of parents get scared of is, well, how do I teach calculus to my you know, 11th right. grader, right? How do I teach the physics and the higher sciences and things like that? And as a, as a home educator, you've got to say, well, I've got to learn that too, right? I mean, I've got to, I, they're going to learn it. Well, then why can't I learn it at the same time yeah. and, and help walk them through that? So we're teaching our kids Latin. Nice. I don't know Latin. Yeah. My, my wife doesn't know Latin. So she'll probably be the one learning Latin. I probably won't learn a lot of They'll Latin. They'll be speaking behind your back. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Or in your front of your face. Right? Exactly. Right in front of my face in Latin. I'm what? like, oh, what? boy. <laughs> it's been really an interesting ride in understanding that, hey, just because I don't know everything doesn't mean that we can't teach it and yeah, we can't learn definitely. at the same time. I, I moved, both of my wife and I moved a lot as kids, and so there are portions of our training that we just kind of missed because we'd move from one school to another school, and they hadn't quite got to certain geography, and then when I moved, they had already done it. And like so I've like, my geography is awful, and my wife was kind of the same. And so when she's going through teaching something, she's like, I know where these things are now in like our history, like, I didn't know that before, and it's exciting for my wife to learn these things with my children, um, just because, it, you know, for one reason or another, we didn't get it as children, or we forgot it. Yeah. We forget a lot of things, so um, it's been refreshing for her. You know, they're not quite down, our kids are, you know, 10, so the oldest is 10, so we haven't quite got to the higher higher sciences yeah. or math, but we have, uh, we do a one-week, um, it's called a homeschool enrichment program, so all of our kids last year went to like one day a week to this homeschool enrichment, which was really cool. And then my wife could either, you know, prepare for the, the next week or do errands by herself or just relax, you know, like she didn't get much time to do that. Um, and so that's was kind of a blessing and some co-ops where different moms come together yeah. or homeschool. There's some dads too, and they just help teach a class each take turns. And so, you know, that could help with some of the topics that you aren't as good at. Um, you know, maybe science is not your thing. Well, Maybe swap time, like uh, swap time with someone teaching Spanish to your kid while you teach their kid something else. And so um, being creative with it is totally cool. Yeah. yeah. So what about some of the extracurricular activities that your, your kids are involved in? How do you introduce your kids to like sports, for instance, or, or music or some of those other, other things? Yeah. So my daughter and my middle son... Um, my daughter's been taking piano for several years. Uh, there's someone uh, down the street from us that does lessons, and her son is best friends with my middle 
my metal boy. And um, so they just go down there, take piano. And my son, middle son just started his first time last, uh, last week on piano. So they've been doing that. <clears throat> As for sports, uh, a lot of the, they're doing a lot of camps uh, mm-hmm. this summer. Uh, and they just got through several different camps. So um, Enoch wanted to do, you know, soccer and they did dodgeball and just, at this point, and we, you know, they, we had them in gymnastics. Um, at this point, I want them to try several different things. Uh, I'd like my son to try, uh, I'm not sure if he'd be too young for my youngest, but uh, maybe not, like a karate or taekwondo. I've heard a lot of uh, parents have kids in, in taekwondo, and it just teaches them discipline and um, just confidence and just, you know, listening and <laughs> obeying. And, uh, and it's a good skill for self-defense, and obviously we don't need well, them to pick on people but um <laughs> so I, and i think he would think it was kind of cool like there's a kind of a coolness factor to it too so um have any, either of your kids done no but, but you know i just want to see hear my kid go sweep the leg johnny sweep the leg <laughs> <laughs> no we uh our kids do uh soccer okay so gotcha. they're they've been doing soccer for a while my my oldest is is doing it for the, the longest but she's not very athletic Compared to my youngest, where she's just running around everybody on the entire field. So that's been an interesting dynamic where, you know, my daughter, my youngest will go and say, you know, I scored six goals this game. And my, you know, daughter says, well, I let two go and well, I was a goalie, you know. Ah, gotcha. And so it's been an interesting dynamic. But they both want to play. So Good. we'll continue to let them play. And then if they just, if one of them decides not to play anymore, then I say, well, you have to choose another physical activity to do. And maybe Taekwondo is a, is a good oh. thing to do. I mean, that's. That's total. I know a bunch of folks that are are, are black belts, um, a taekwondo, and they're just normal, even keel people. But you know, you get them in in a in a bad spot, and all of a sudden you're on the ground. And you're like, well, well what what happened? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I see the sky. Yeah, I took it when I was younger, and I was in a sparring, and someone knocked the wind out of me, and that was a kind of a newer experience, and. Pretty much at that moment, I knew I was done. <laughs> that is an awful Just feeling. No yeah. So um, I kind of wish I stayed with it, but that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. I've got a good friend of mine. He um, is kind of a, a, was a mentor to me when I was younger, and he was a grandmaster. Oh, my goodness. Like an eighth degree grandmaster awesome. or whatever. There was only like a handful of people in the entire world for Taekwondo that had this level. And it was really interesting to, you know, kind of hear him talk about, well, I met the one grandest master and, <laughs> and we all got together and, you know, I'm like, well, what do you do? All right. I mean, when all the grandmasters get together, I mean, do you kick each other? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like Bruce Lee, you know, it, it, <laughs> there must be only one. It's Highlander yeah. or something like that. I know for us, our, our son is, is just two. So there's definitely no Taekwondo going on there. <laughs> Um, he already thinks he's Superman and Spider-Man, so I go uh-huh. home and I get punched all the time. But yeah. so. he kind of does look like Miles Morales. He he could pull it off. He could pull. I pull might need to Spider-Man. train him to be Spider-Man in a you know in a future version. Yeah, there movie. you go. In an alternate world, he is Spider-Man. He is. There you go. He is. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I totally had I had glasses for a long time, and when I had kids, because I I love being on the ground wrestling with them yeah. and and uh, or. They love just grabbing at anything, so I had to get contacts when I started having children, <laughs> just because I want to be down on the floor with them, wrestling with them, and I don't want to have to worry about. Maybe someday I'll get a surgery, but I don't know. I'm a little scared about that. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're not the only one. So <laughs> the guy with the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but one of the things that we do do is you know me and uh, me and his mom we're both swimmers. Oh, awesome! So we take him to the pool. He goes to the pool every mm-hmm. week. You know, we try and go to the beach every now and again, but nice. you know the pool's just a little mm-hmm. bit more accessible. It's a little bit closer. 
And, you know, he has his armbands and, you know, he'll wear my goggles sometimes if he wants to. Yeah. And we'll just, we'll take him to the pool and we'll go swimming. Um, He does a pretty good job. He's now, he does a little bit too good of a job sometimes (laughs) because now he thinks he could just run off and jump into water without. Uh Oh, (laughs) wait a second. Like, yeah, let's just hold on a little bit. I, I love the confidence, but you need to slow down. Yeah, we do uh, Swim America. I don't know if you've heard of that. but I have heard of it, yeah. Uh, all three of our kids, uh, my Abby went through it and is not doing it anymore, but uh, my two sons are still doing it, and they have like 10 levels that you, that you start with at the beginning, and and uh, pretty much each level, we told them, if you pass a level, we're going out for ice cream. So nice. like, so not only the kid is excited, but the rest of the family is excited. <laughs> and uh, But this actually, I changed it up a little bit because I'm like, well, let's be a little bit healthier and... Um, I introduced Star Wars, to, like the old old ones, to mm-hmm. my children, and I said you could pick ice cream, or we could watch Star Wars because you know if we get it on uh, iTunes, you have to purchase it, and it's yeah. like twenty bucks or something like that. And I was like, well, it's either ice cream for everyone for about twenty dollars, or <laughs> we could do a movie, and they're excited about. It. So for the last two times they passed the level, they've chose Star Wars. So we've seen all the old ones, four, five, and six. I'm not sure. I need to rewatch the early. The one, two, and three. I'm not sure if they're too violent. No, no, or... no, you, no you don't. You don't have to watch them anymore. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> well, for my kids, I don't yeah. know if it's too intense or not. Yeah, it, it, yeah, for for us, we made the decision of showing the first one when I think my daughter, it was re-released a few years back, yeah, yeah. so I think she was five or something like that, and that was fine. But we didn't show her the second and third one, I guess, till this year and when she was okay. nine. Gotcha. And unfortunately, the five-year-old has to be sitting right there. <laughs> of course. You know, so it's like, wait, wait. How how can I get you not to watch this? Because I don't think you're ready for yeah, it. Yeah. You know. So yeah, the Swim America has been great because uh, you know it's a good skill to have. I mean, for anybody, and uh, that's great that your kids uh, learning how to survive in the yeah, water. Yeah, he. You know, honestly, one of the main reasons why we started taking him to the pool was it was the one thing that we could do that would completely knock him out and make him go to sleep. <laughs> Definitely. They're, they're, yeah, they're exhausted. Because, you know, because swimming is, it's oh, yeah. a whole body workout. It's a great workout. You know, even, you know, for adults and for kids. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we take him to the pool and he kicks around a little bit. He's in the sun. He has a good time. And he's in the car and boom, he's sleeping. <laughs> Love it. Then what do you do when you get home and he's to sleep in the car? Well, we take him out. He's so knocked out sometimes. We <laughs> yeah. pick him up. He's like a brick, right? Like you just pick him up and we put him on the bed. You know, we'll just change his diaper, and uh, that's good. it. Yeah, good. He, he sleeps for another two, three hours or so, and then gets up. He has dinner, and then we try and figure out another way to knock him out again. <laughs> like, wait a second, I was just asleep. <laughs> Eventually, we want to bring our kids to Disney World, but we're like, we're gonna wait a little bit longer, so they're actually a little bit taller to ride the rides, and yeah. and yeah. to the point where they could actually get around for most of the day without, you know, we're getting tired, being held. <laughs> like, pick me up, and like, no, I don't really want to pick you up across mm-hmm. all of Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah. So we took Cameron a couple of times, and we we didn't really take him to the the Magic Kingdom first. We went to Animal Kingdom. Oh, okay, yeah. And he he had a great time at Animal Kingdom. What we did was we rented one of the strollers we got at the front. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, he was in the stroller. Uh, he was a lot younger. He must he might have been just turned one at that time. And yeah, he loved it. But um, so we did that with him a few times. And last year uh, there was a company trip. We went over to the Magic Kingdom. We decided, okay, well he's a little bit older now, maybe. Let's 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 see if we could pull it off or not. Um, and it was a very similar type thing, you know. We got the stroller, you know, we rent the stroller there, and he would not he would not take pictures with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> he would not. Um, not I, even the princesses. Nah, man. Wow. Like, they had, um, you know, they had the parade that goes through the park. Yes. Yeah. The yeah, three that's... o'clock parade. What time's the three o'clock parade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they 
So, you know, all the characters are out. Some of them are on the side of the road. Some of them are on top of the float started going by. And he pointed. He got so excited. And when it's over, I'm like, okay, let's go take a picture. He's like, <laughs> no, thank you. He's like, I'm going to stay right here. That's fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've been taking the kids like since, well, I guess the first time my daughter, my eldest, went to Disney, she was in Lucy's belly still. Uh, right. Yeah. So it was yeah. for it was for a night of joy and. And I had her in a wheelchair, and she was—I wheeled her around all the wow. all the concerts uh, for that night. That's and awesome. uh, and so we've been taking them back pretty pretty regularly. And mainly that's because I used to be a cast member, oh. and so I've got oh, a I huge yeah I've got a huge affinity for Disney and and kind of nice. the, all things the parks. And um, it's been really cool to kind of see them see the parks through their eyes. I kind of wanted that experience gotcha. because I've I I've been backstage. I've been underneath in the tunnels. I've I've done all of that, That's awesome. and I have a different view of the parks and probably people mm-hmm. who haven't worked there. And so I wanted to see that view. So it was it was completely me. I, I wanted to go to Disney and <laughs> I wanted to see through their eyes. And it was it's been I've it's now changed my view of the parks again to to where I had when I was a kid. We'd like to thank Elijah for being a guest in the show. It was definitely a pleasure speaking with him. Remember to tell your friends about the show and to leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com or on Twitter at AFTK Podcast. You can also follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick and who really doesn't, sign up to our newsletter where you'll get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have a conversation with business intelligence expert, Devin Knight. This is a good one. But I say that every episode because it's true. They're all good. And we just keep getting better and better every time. Yeah, but this is really good because it's Devin. And we'll see you next week. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego. My wife and I, a couple years ago, I spoke at Orlando Code Camp. Yep. And um, she came with me. I was like, oh, there's this conference. And she's like, oh, I could come with you. And the kids could go to my, my parents. And uh, so she came with me, and it was it was awesome. And we stayed an extra day, and we went to all of the parks, like, real quickly. And um, so I took pictures on my phone, and we have Apple TV. And so 
this, in screensaver mode, it just goes through my pictures. And so we, we come home and the kids are like, why are you taking a picture with <laughs> the characters? Because, you know, we went to a character breakfast and I took a picture with some of them. Right. And they're like, why is that the castle? I was like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> Photoshop. Here, let me show you how it works. We right. kind of went to Disney World without you. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we did the same thing this year. We went to a homeschooling convention, but we went to the Space Center. Mm. And so we had to tell our kids that we went to the Space Center without <laughs> them and they just were not happy about it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we met an astronaut. He gave us a tour of the Cape. For, for six hours. <laughs> My daughter almost lost her mind. 